0: Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive psychologist and also a TEDx and keynote speaker, and the author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all sorts of information regarding positive psychology, my own spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology, general wellness, rejuvenating, and all kinds of stuff related to that. Listeners to the podcast know that we tend to favor having guests on here who lead their lives with enthusiasm, but also have things to share that enable us to become not only the most enthusiastic version of ourselves, but also the best version of ourselves that we can be. And in that regard, we're really, really fortunate today to have a special guest, Lisa David Olson, who has all kinds of things to her credit. Let me give the the short form of the introduction. Lisa is a speaker, author, podcaster, and creative mentor. Uh, She does creative consulting to help teams and entrepreneurs get their projects and ideas unstuck. What kind of separates Lisa from others who may share one or all of those titles is her use of humor. Lisa actually escaped a traumatic childhood through humor, and uh, which isn't the way that all people handle trauma, so really be interested to hear about it. For two decades, she ran and performed in a comedy and improv troupe, so lots of things that we have uh, in her background. I know some of the listeners may wonder, geez, do we have enough there to fill a whole podcast? But let's see, let's <laughs> work with me, Lisa, and we'll we'll give it a try. Lisa, we are so happy to have you on Rejuvenaging with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for the invite. It's very, very exciting to make a new friend and to talk about all things that are excitement and enthusiasm and especially when we toss in humor, you can't help but be excited.
0: Yeah, that's terrific. But one of the things is, I was looking through your very impressive set of skills, what do you actually do nowadays? (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I know most people when they go to work, what they do with all these kinds of skills, some of which seem to kind of really dovetail, some not. How do you spend your days?
1: I have a regular full-time job. No matter what I've done, I've been speaking and running a comedy troupe for two decades and started podcasting last year. I've always kept my full-time job. So for a very long time, I was at a hospital and was in the administrative assistant world, which is not surprising when you know that I'm a, uh, I'll let you pick my brain apart. I'm number three of four kids. So I got to make sure is everybody okay? So I am an administrative assistant. That's definitely what fits my mindset. But also, about six years ago, I moved uh, across the river from Wisconsin to Minnesota. And uh, I got a job with City Hall. I'm in the police department. And I'm in records and dispatch and assisting. And I I just love the work because in the hospital setting, it was basically meetings, agendas and minutes and then start over. (laughs) But with the police world, you don't know what you're walking into. You, I've helped so many things and I know I make a difference. And that also fits with my background of growing up in a alcoholic home and having a very traumatic childhood, knowing that I'm actually helping going forward with other cases that are similar. I mean, the world is so much better with that now. It just, it's a good fit. And I really care about what I do and I care about the officers deeply.
0: And you've maintained your sense of humor
1: oh my yes and all
0: that absolutely as you may not know i spent my first 22 years in minnesota what town or city are you you working in
1: i am nestled into la crescent so that is where the bluffs are where the bluffs meet the mississippi river and separates wisconsin so i'm right on that border
0: yeah that's a beautiful area it's It's so
1: gorgeous year-round gorgeous
0: Okay, well, why don't we get started with the uh, probably the most important, whether it's the most pleasant or not, things to uh, discuss. But tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be you.
1: Well, my parents were um, married, had four kids, and I don't remember them ever being in the same bedroom. I don't remember that at all. I don't remember. I don't think they were. So it was that kind of a marriage. And I'm 55. So when you go back in time, marriages almost stay together for the kids. You know, that's not always the case now. But my mother was a very uh, functioning, high functioning alcoholic. And she was definitely a workaholic as well. But when she got drunk, she was in a rage. So dad would kind of fade away. And then we might get pulled out of bed come and clean this, come and do that. Or you take the belt and that kind of a thing. That's the short version. I'm I'm happy to answer anything. But to this day, I have night frights. I have to sleep a certain way. I can't have my back to the door and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm working through it. <laughs> I've definitely always been in therapy. And <laughs> so I know what to work on and, and I recommend it. But what that did for me was I learned early on that if mom was laughing, it broke that mood sometimes, not always. But my siblings and I always knew if we could lighten a moment, she wasn't hitting us. Mm-hmm. And it's something that worked. Or if it was a really rough night, the siblings and I would kind of band together and entertain each other and try and lift a mood. So I learned early on, not consciously, but I learned humor matters. It lifts your spirits and it gets you through a really tough time.
0: Boy, that is it's so interesting. And it, it, well, you don't really... Think of kids being able to sort that out. That really seems like, hey, an adult-like strategy on how to deal with things. I mean, is were you kind of naturally funny or is it something that, again, you said you didn't really think this through, but um, how'd you happen to hit upon that as opposed to crying or running away or things of that nature?
1: Yeah, we definitely took our turns doing that as well. You know, we would, um, I left home at 17. My older sister got married at 19. That's how she thought she would have to go. Um, My other brother left probably at 18. And then the younger brother stayed for a while because by then things had kind of mellowed out. But I left at 17. I didn't finish school. I went through 10th grade. So it was so hard to get to school after having a rough night. I was very sickly as a kid. I had pneumonia. I had mono. You name it. So it's not a surprise that I was really worn down. It's easy to look back and know. But in that time, I couldn't catch up. And I just left. So I, I started working and I got an apartment and <laughs> didn't even have a car. I just said, I'm outie. So <laughs> I just made sure that when I have a family and, and I do have sons, I never never kept that going. I broke that cycle. And then I let my sons know early on when they were probably, each when they were nine, they probably learned about the alcoholism on both sides of our family. And I always wanted them aware of that to let them know that that doesn't mix, <laughs> you know, you, you know, just to be aware because I believe it's genetic. And I also believe that you can learn it by always having it in the home and seeing it, but there's also ways to have it and not go overboard. And so we were very vocal about it.
0: Well, you should be real, real proud of yourself. And <laughs> I'm wondering with the humor specifically, it's kind of one thing to uh, kind of entertain an alcoholic parent and quite another to run an improv company and so on. Did did you get formal training in, in comedy or did you, how does one go from, again, which kind of a survival strategy to something that, you know, really impacts upon a lot of people?
1: I definitely had and have a wonderful sense of imagination. And of course, we didn't have the hand computers back then. So I played with my Barbies. Day in, day out, I, I did, I made a DJ station in my room. I put on shows and I had packed audiences that were my Barbies. <laughs> and I was an entertainer from way back. My mm. imagination was that Carol Burnett raised me because I knew her parents were alcoholics and her grandma took her in. So I pretended Carol Burnett raised me. And that show was my escape. I loved that show. There was a time where I I had a handful of pills and I was contemplating taking this handful of Darva and I didn't take them, even though they were in my hand and I had water nearby and I was contemplating, I was like 15. And I remember Carol Burnett was going to be on and I didn't want to miss it. Back then you couldn't record it or save it. So my book was almost called Carol Burnett Saved My Life or that I, I was raised by Carol Burnett. When I got older, ironically, my mother got me into performing on stage. She'd heard about a singing group. So we had our ups and downs and I definitely write about the good and the bad, but she got me into the singing group. She's like, you should go try out. So I did. And then a couple of years into it, one of the ladies in the singing group said, you should come and try out for our comedy troupe tonight. I think you'd be great. And I was so flattered. I thought, well, I am funny and I can sing. Maybe I will. And then as all these thoughts are going through my head, she says, yeah, we need another female. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> I guess I was thinking a lot of myself, There's but... Course okay, I've got girl parts and I've got time tonight. I'll go show. And I ended up trying out and it, you asked about formal training. That would be my formal training is that this troupe had been together. This was 1999 and they had been together since like 1985. And I did a lot of training for improvisation and learning that writing sketches and writing song parodies and then performing it. I later learned how to produce shows, how to do all the interviews and get all the advertising out, keep the troop cohesive. And what grew from that was more than I could have expected. I found my circle of trust and people who really had my back.
0: This is so interesting. And uh, do you still do that? uh, Or as you moved on from from the troop altogether? Yes,
1: early last year in uh, January of 2020, I I told the troop and we'd been together a very long time. I, I really had a nice core group Uh, including my husband. And I said, you know, it's, it's time for me to, to not do a show. I don't know if it's going to be just this year or what, but I don't want to do a fall show. I want to feel what it's like to just be home because we would write from may do a three weekend show in September nine shows. And it was a lot, but it was also a passion and always has been, but along with working full time. So I said, you know what, 20 years, that's a good time to say, you know what, I'm going to take a break. Well, the world said, Yeah, you are taking a break. <laughs> There's no shows. So I sunsetted it right before we knew that there weren't going to be any shows. So I still do speaking and I've been able to get that into the virtual realm, which I'm an interactive speaker because of all my improv things. But I, you find a way to work it.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess that was terrific timing as far as doing shows, though, because the pandemic has certainly put a damper on some of that stuff.
1: Yes, but when we look at it, how much good came out of it, and you want to talk about improv, you know, I I could say to a room, how many here do improv and maybe one out of 100 will will dare to raise their hand. But in the pandemic, we should know more than ever that we all do a form of improv, whether it's a conversation with your partner, whether it's entertaining someone's child, whether it's driving, look at all the people who are making special breads now or taking up painting, which I did, or doing things that they never thought they would do. That's all improv. We improv every day. So when I say about improv, I don't mean, do you perform on a stage? I just mean, do you take two unlikely thoughts, put them together and try something new?
0: And I believe that to some extent, you also do that with respect to a Facebook group or something to to kind of keep us laughing during these difficult times.
1: It's true. It, It was so fun to, as I faded out of my comedy troupe Facebook page, I didn't want to let go of people that had followed me for so long on that page and looked for humor. And I certainly have humor on my page. My dog is is my straight man, even though it's a female. And I do puns and I get pictures of her kind of looking at me like, oh, please. And so everybody knows Munch. But on this other group that I started on Facebook, it's called Counterclockwise. And I started it in October. And it's really fun because it's interactive. So people can post, talk to each other and do things like that. So just today I wrote on there, what would you do for a Klondike bar, but show me in GIFs. So, you know, you just post the little video and there's people showing that they're dancing or juggling or chasing cats. You know, it's just silly. And it's inviting a new thought. It's inviting something out of left field. And I don't allow any politics or anything dirty because I want it to just be, it's a safe place to go get a laugh, share a laugh or comment on somebody's laugh.
0: Terrific. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what advice do you have for people who are like one step back. For example, in uh, my work with some older adults, I, I know I've I've had people where I've used as kind of my byline that if I knew how much fun old age would be, I'd have grown older faster.
1: Uh, <laughs> and I've had people I like
0: get really upset with it, and <laughs> and I think. Uh, I'm seeing some people reacting to the pandemic the same way, rather than digging in and and trying to make the best of it. They really are, you know, they hadn't planned this, and they're not going to enjoy it. Have you got any advice for somebody whose mindset is is that negative?
1: Yes, it's interesting to see those that embraced it and said, we're going to make the most of it. You know, I've got a friend who would videotape herself taking her garbage out every week in a different costume. And it was ridiculous and it was fun. And it was before a lot of people (laughs) were doing it just to see this big inflatable dinosaur pushing out the garbage bin or she did a graduation ceremony with the bins. And, you know, it's all about, can you include other people in your laughter? You know, joy and laughter is a connector. And if it crosses age, ethnicity, language barriers you know if we were standing in the mall and we saw a I don't know a puppy parade or puppies dressed as dinosaurs or something go by we're gonna laugh and whether you and I each speak English or different languages that's a universal thing and that fills us with joy which raises our endorphins it lowers our blood pressure it calms the anxiety mind so if you think about it if you're not out there with it like me where I do pictures with strangers and that's in my book. I do kind of wild things. I'm not shy, but because I really feel like this is it. We are on this spinning rock and this is it. What did you do with your day? What brought you joy? And that is what I ask people in the store when I'm going through the checkout. You know, how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. Find everything. Yeah. I say, what are you doing for fun? Not one person didn't give me a fun answer. Or be excited that I I asked. One girl is a dancer. One giant hippie guy has little foster kittens. One lady was excited because she purged out her basement. One lady is cooking. And they they will answer you. So if you are open to it and you're at home and you're kind of glum and stuff, turn off the news. (laughs) Don't flip through Facebook. I call that doom scrolling when you're just like, oh, that's dumb. Oh, I hate that. Oh, no. Another Bernie meme, which they're funny, but (laughs) how many can you take? Yeah. So find that which brings you joy. If I'm down, one of the things I look for on YouTube is Carol Burnett bloopers. Google that. I don't care how old you are. (laughs) Look for show bloopers from your favorite show that brought you joy. Another thing to do is connect. Because we've lost so many social events. Be creative with how you connect. I have pen pals. And what is so joyful is to go to the mailbox and get a handwritten letter. (laughs) That's the first letter we open is a handwritten letter. It's it's written out to Dr. Ron Kaiser. You're going to open that one first. You know? And so my pen pal, one of us, uh, we write back and forth in a journal. We're keeping a story going. And another gal and I, we trade different artsy things. She did embroidery on a card and then I sent her a little painting and we just do these silly things back and forth. And I write to other people, just regular letters or I'll send, why not send an Easter card in February? Why not? Why not send happy anniversary to some kid? They don't know what that is. It's just silly. When you think, what could I do to twist this and turn it around and move the angle where you're looking or thinking? That's fun. And people want to be in on that
0: yeah and the the sense of connection that it creates is is really important loneliness is a is a terrible thing and sometimes it takes a little bit of effort to make the connection but the rewards of say a handwritten letter or this personal contact is is really tremendous as you were talking about it it uh led me to think in terms of one of the things that you advertise as is as a creative mentor. You know, I don't remember ever studying to be, or having that option as a major in college or anything <laughs> like that. What, what is a creative mentor?
1: I'm pretty much a permissionist. If you come to me, so some of my clients are, what became during the pandemic is people who have written books and now need to book launch, but you can't just go to the wine bar, the restaurant or an event center and have your basic book launch, which you would have done. When we gather like that, we support each other. Now it takes a little bit of extra effort. Everybody's sick of being online. Everybody's sick of, you know, just the screen fatigue. So I shouldn't say everyone, but I would say the majority of the people I know are. So I might talk to somebody who's going to launch their book. And, you know, one of my clients was saying, well, I guess I'll have to wait. And I said, you can wait. But why couldn't you do a soft launch now and be really creative offer that if they want it delivered to their door, you'll do it in this costume or, you know, have prize d- drawings or have people tell their friends and start book clubs. There's ways to do it where you don't have to make a zoom chat out of it or anything. You just have to rethink how you're doing it. You know, if you order for me, I'll include, I'll include, if anybody orders a book for me through this show. I will include a personal painting just for you. It'll be a little painting for you. That is what I will do. you can do this kind of thing. And I really am offering that. So (laughs) you mentioned, you mentioned Dr. Ron and I will do a painting for you. You can be creative like that. You can just be different. So that's one example. I had another gal who had two different businesses and she was trying to decide which to do. One was beautiful wall hangings of macrame. And the other was this yoga and moon study and a journal along with it, which is really, really cool too. And I talked to her about what about if you have both, but at some point you join them. What if you had the, a yoga session and you could talk to them and each person gets to make a mini macrame? You can do that over Zoom. You can still do it with the phase of the moon. Let's talk about what phase it's in and then be inspired to make this piece of art. You're blending those. You don't have to choose.
0: Oh, I, I can see where it can be a really in demand kind of thing because most people don't think creatively. Even those, those of us who do some creative things like writing a book uh, and then don't think creatively about the launch. But since you mentioned your book, in addition to the painting, why don't we find out what's in it?
1: Well, I, it's called Laughs on Rye and it's spelled W-R-Y and it's an improviser's memoir. And I wrote about the ups and downs of growing up in a traumatic childhood. A portion of proceeds goes to the family and Children's Center, their healthy families program. I just sent another check, and i I want to give to that program that wasn't in existence when I needed it. So one of my stickers that I made says, "Be who you needed," because it's so important to to celebrate what things are in place right now that are helping kids. You've got teachers who are so aware and could say, "Wow, it looks like looks like Johnny's really hungry again. Is, is everything okay? Or wow, what looks like you have, you know, you, you should brush your hair. Is everything okay? I mean, you've got teachers, you've got neighbors, you've got adults who really will pay attention to kids. So I celebrate that. And that's why I donate a, a portion of proceeds to assist with the program I wish we had. And inside my book is all little snippets. So every story is, is small. And right now I know we're just on audio, but I'm showing Ron my picture of me and my mama. And just to show there was good and bad, but within my book, I share my project in bravery. And that is my dare to myself. And what I did one day was I saw these girls, young ladies in their twenties, and they had just gotten an ice cream cone. And each of them had, one had a bright pink in a waffle cone and one had this fabulous blue is probably blue moon, whatever that flavor is. And they were taking selfies, just pictures of themselves against the wall. And it was a beautiful brick wall. So I'm painting the picture for your mind because it was really cool. And I approached them and I said, can we get a picture together? Now, this is just one of those thoughts that popped into my head. And so I dared myself. And even though I'm an extrovert, it was kind of like, geez, I'm going to approach these people. I don't want them to think stranger danger, you know? So my heart's thumping and I'm sweating in the weird places. And that's something I encourage. (laughs) And these ladies were like, yeah, we can get a picture. And then I said, but one thing we can't smile. I don't know where that came from, but we did this serious selfie, which was ridiculous because how can you not smile when you have a ginormous waffle cone on a warm day? And so that, that started my project in bravery when I, I would always approach strangers and ask if we can get a serious selfie. Imagine trying to get a picture with someone and not smiling. Even my dog knows when my camera's out. So it's a challenge and it makes you laugh because I tell you, you can't laugh you're going to laugh. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I going to say, uh, does, does anybody really? Oh, they're not smiling. How so I'm showing did, Ron long this long picture.
1: They, Look at that. And what happened from this project was friendships. I would have never, ever expected it. But I ended up meeting with those young ladies and their moms, because when my book came out, they said, somebody, one of the moms said, Oh, I know Lisa, she knows so and so. And of course, we all know each other in the world. And it was in our town. So we went out for coffee and we hung out for a couple hours and we went shopping together and we sang songs together. It was ridiculously fun. And that wouldn't have happened if I would have kept walking and kept my head in my phone and didn't interact. Another great story is the a little boy who had a lemonade stand. And I asked if I could get a picture with him. And he said, sure. And so we get this picture and he has this nice, you know, serious face. He's just so cute of course, I tipped big. If there's a lemonade stand, give them a $5 bill. Even if you don't drink the lemonade, don't let them see you dump it out. But we have to support our young entrepreneurs. So when my book came out, I I did find out who his mom was, had her sign the waiver for him to be in my book. What I learned from that was that his lemonade stand was for his grandma's breast cancer walk. Mm -hmm. So she was going through treatment for breast cancer, and he raised $400 just with that lemonade stand. Gave it all to grandma. I would have never known that.
0: So risk-taking is a really terrific skill to have.
1: Yes, and most people are for it. I I only had one guy that shied away from me, and I'm pretty sure he was wanted, understood. No no problem there. (laughs) But most people will do that, and I have made actual lasting friendships out of this. That's not what I expected. It was such a bonus, such a beautiful thing.
0: That's really encouraging to hear about humanity. hopefully we can uh all get outside soon and start practicing it. Uh, <laughs> That's right, I'm wondering you know, as I've been hearing your story and you obviously had a sense of humor as a child, is humor something that can be taught? I mean, I have people say you know i I hear great jokes, and I can't remember them you know ten minutes later, or you know I'm just not naturally funny or you know. I tried to, uh, and, and I've observed that people will get in front of a group and say something and it falls flat, you know, and, and it seems to be partially delivery, partially that the content isn't funny. Um, if somebody, uh, I mean, is, is not being able to pull it off effectively a function of just kind of an inhibited personality and not doing it right, or is it a skill that can be taught?
1: There are so many different types of comics. And two of my stepsons are on the autistic spectrum. And I learned when I joined the family that sarcasm doesn't work on a lot of people. It sure doesn't with my stepsons. And I mean, they actually, as they matured, really came came away from being in the black and the white, they did find their gray zone, especially living with me because I love pranks. I, I even prank my dog now that our sons have all moved out. So I, I will hide around a corner to scare her. But anyway, that's probably not healthy. So my my sons taught me that sarcasm doesn't always work. And they taught me that that I have to explain if I'm going to be sarcastic. That opened my eyes. As a smart aleck, that, that really opened my eyes. But There's humor. There's no humor that is going to carry across the board. Some people will watch videos where people are falling and they think that's hilarious. I don't because you know the mom in me is like, oh, oh, geez, where's your helmet? You know, Mm -hmm. so that kind of humor isn't funny to me. Other people find humor in that, and I just don't know anybody that wouldn't find something enjoyable about watching America's Funniest Videos or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's just in the in the knowing of what brings you joy or lets you forget about a moment. Not everybody wants to see Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up comedy, but maybe they would like to see the show that he had. There's such a variance. I think the main thing is what makes you laugh or at least smile, and that's what you want to keep seeking. Maybe you yourself wants to figure out, geez, that that was funny to me, but not to my friend. I wonder why. But you also have different backgrounds, different studies, different families. The way you grew up is going to matter. I, I bet a lot of humor matches how you grew up. You know, that what's funny is my mom was funny and she, you know, in the good days, she never missed a show, but she never laughed out loud. And that was tough for me. I always told her, never sit up front. I can't, I can't do that. What she taught me was she was enjoying every single moment, but she didn't want to laugh and miss something. I promise you she was replaying it later. So as a performer, you expect people to laugh out loud. And, and of course, a lot of people with tragic backgrounds become performers because we can be somebody else. We can get our love and our hugs through applause and acceptance through ticket sales. That's not a mystery at all. And to have an audience that maybe they aren't laughing out loud, that they will compliment you bigger than the audience that was loud. There's so many studies that you could do on that. But for yourself, if, if it's a person listening who doesn't know, I don't know how to find my funny, ask your friends, you know, ask around or just watch some shows and decide, well, that wasn't funny because it was a person getting hurt or that was funny because it was situational and then seek that kind of humor. I think joke telling you mentioned, I can't tell a joke. I go right for the punchline and that's what's going to be at my funeral. Everybody has to just tell a punchline because that's what I do. I go right for the punchline. But my dad is this amazing storyteller. He could tell you the long joke and take his time and and I'm going, boom, 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 punchline. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's so interesting that, uh, you know, if you've heard the joke before, then I think the punchline is really, really funny. Um, yes, a mysterious if you haven't heard it. Before we quit, I would want to go back almost to the beginning about something that isn't necessarily humor-related, but having gone through trauma, I'm just wondering what other strengths or advice would you say has has helped you um because you know the, there's a substantial number of the population even if they've made a good adjustment over time are still dealing with the effects of trauma and uh, I'm just wondering aside from from humor and I, again I had not considered that that was really one of the ways out but what are some of the other kinds of things that that you may have learned about yourself or how to not become embittered by the trauma.
1: I applaud you for asking that. It It makes me almost emotional that you went back to that. It really does because I'm so glad we didn't skip over it. I have a passion in sharing that people should do, should participate in some sort of therapy. And if you don't connect with a therapist, it's okay. Because look how many friends we have that come and go, or maybe marriages. And you look at that, you, you it's okay to be with a therapist and decide they're not the right fit. But boy, when you find the right fit, it is truly, truly, really what what you need. Because somebody with anxiety like myself, anxiety left alone without treatment is, if you don't have somebody to talk to about it and get it out of your head, it's a snowball in your head and it's rolling and it's gaining more snow and it's getting bigger and it's getting bigger. For me, obviously, talk therapy, and tools. So when I go to therapy, I have a notebook and I'm writing and I'm writing because I don't want to miss anything. And it's like, I want all this information and this help. So you have to get the stuff out of your head. Some people think, oh, I'm not going to talk to somebody about it, but you know what? It's a professional and they, they've heard it before. There's nothing you can't say. It's so important. Posting on Facebook is not therapy and burdening a friend with it, even though they, they say, yeah, I'm here to listen. But they can't help you and they, they weren't trained with how to know what things you're saying and how to help you with that. One of the things a therapist said to me, because I have the night fright thing I mentioned, he said, what is a scent that brings you comfort? And it didn't take me long to, you know, our sense of smell, as you know, is it, it connects us to a memory and it can be good or bad. So what is something that brings me comfort? And I immediately thought of the soap my husband uses at bedtime that he washes his face with, that brings me comfort. And he told me to leave the, a bar of that soap next to my bed. And when I have my fluttery anxiety feelings in the night to obviously, if my husband's there, I've got my husband to snuggle with, but that scent of the soap is my grounding, is my reminder. Who would who would think of that? And it works.
0: <laughs> yeah, and And not every therapist would tell you that. And I think that that was really good advice That I mean, it's something that as a psychologist, I'm constantly telling people, uh, friends, and others that, you know, for it's not like going to, say, a dentist or a surgeon where uh, if their technique is good, you may not need the greatest connection. It's nice if they have, you know, if the bedside manner fits and so on. But with a therapist, all they can offer is their expertise and the relationship. And for some people, That may mean kind of starting and moving forward and not, for some people, they don't need a therapist for wallowing, for example, whereas others might. Uh, Some need for reworking the past. Others really need to see progress on a regular basis, you know, in much the same way as going to the gym so that you can have measurable progress. Uh, So the fact that somebody starts and didn't have a good connection shouldn't paint all therapists with the same brush. And I'm really glad you said this because I do know for for a lot of trauma survivors, the idea of dealing with this stuff, uh, there's some of them, certainly not all, but some of them, they don't need a lot of encouragement to not go back. So if they've got somebody that they don't feel comfortable with, that's it, it's not therapy and, and that doesn't solve anything. Right.
1: You might run into a style that doesn't really work for you. You don't leave there feeling like, okay, I've got some tools to work with. I mean, that's what I need. I need tools that I can, I can, okay, I'll do this. I'll do my breath work. I'll do my square breathing or, you know, Mm -hmm. I need that. I need those reminders in my head and um, your inner voice is a brat. And Mm -hmm. to recognize that and yell at your inner voice and say, get lost, Sherman, give it a name. Tell it to get out when it's telling you, you can't write a book or you couldn't, you know, do this workout. You can't do it. Really? That's your inner voice. So yell at that. But there's so many easy ways to have therapy that we hadn't thought of before because right now we have Zoom and phone calls and it still works. (laughs) So choices, not excuses.
0: I know it was a challenge, but we somehow managed to fill the whole time with with all your interesting stuff. (laughs) Uh, But we need to do one more thing and that's uh, I'd like you to let people know what... What kind of products do you have out there? And number two, how do they get in touch with you? We will have all this in the show notes, but uh, let's get it out there now.
1: Thank you so much. Well, please join me on Facebook, Lisa David Olson. I love to make new friends. And my comedy group on Facebook is Counterclockwise. I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn, and I'm always available for speaking April is Humor Month, so um, that's a a good time to bring in a humorist to lighten up everybody. I don't talk about the trauma when we're just doing our fun humor speaks. And I have interactive exercises that we can do and lots of fun. I've got a comedy album full of telemarketer calls where people called my house and I took them on a different route and didn't let them get to their sales pitch. And that's on iTunes and that's called Fun on the Phone and that's spelled P-H-U-N on the phone, fun on the phone, Lisa David Olson. So if you forget, just reach out to me, but I've got my book, Laughs on Rye. I've got a journal I wrote, which is called What Ifs and Why Nots. It's full of creative cues to reignite your stuck ideas. So it's got a lot of improv and performance tips that I use from the stage to the workplace or your home. So all sorts of stuff. And I said, if you buy a book and you mention, Ron Kaiser's show, I will send you a painting too, a little mini painting. <laughs> I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> is the book on Amazon or do we order from you or how, how does somebody get, get the book?
1: Yes, my book Laughs on Rye is on Amazon mm-hmm. and my journal I printed locally. So that one would be through me and that is what ifs and why nots. And so I don't know what you call the different brains, but I've got Plain side with quotes and lined side. So <laughs> managing both sides of the brain. I need lines. I don't want lines.
0: And I also can't uh, wait to see or listen to fun on the phone. Yes. Maybe if enough of us do, the uh, the same telemarketers will hear it five or six times. And- <laughs> Figure that right. on to us and stop calling. So
1: maybe. So
0: maybe a real public service that you're doing. <laughs>
1: At least you can have fun with it. It's a choice, right?
0: Well, uh, Lisa, it's been an absolute delight speaking with you, learning so much about you, and helping us in so many, so many different ways. I want to thank you very much for being a guest, helping people to live their lives enthusiastically, uh, and with a greater sense of humor than maybe some of us thought uh, we could employ. It's really been great and still have questions for you, but that may have to wait another <laughs> another time. So thanks again. Really appreciate it. Uh, this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. The uh, podcast to help you live your life enthusiastically today tomorrow and every other day our guest has been lisa david olson with all kinds of interesting and fun things for us to do be in contact with lisa remember to visit the mental health gym and you can also while you're there suggest additional podcast guests if you haven't picked up rejuvenating the art and science of growing older with enthusiasm while you're on Amazon ordering Lisa's book, you can also order mine there. Uh, and everybody, be back next week here hear who we have as another interesting guest. In the meantime, we hope that you'll download Lisa's podcast, uh, rate it, tell your folks about it, and subscribe to the entire series of podcasts. Until next week then, stay safe and everybody remember to use your humor. Take care and we'll see you.